Big Poppy in his swan song season. Big moment. Big Poppy, bottom of the eighth. He represents the tying run in what could be his last at bat. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back. Been a full week since we last talked. David Ortiz is gone. That's some sad stuff, huh? But so are the Red Sox, and they played in very sad and disgusting fashion. But the Pats are back, and they looked fantastic, and so did Tom Brady. Let's get it. Third episode of the podcast. Here we go. Oh, have you not heard? It was my understanding that everyone had heard. Heard what? You're You're listening listening to to the Dynamite. Dynamite. Rushing it. Dynamite. Dynamite! And boom goes the Dynamite. The Dynamite Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. I'm Tom Source. This is the Dynamite Show. How we doing? Haven't talked to you since last Tuesday. Uh, Glad to have you back if you're listening right now. Um, Of course, last Tuesday, the Red Sox still were in the conversation. They were still, you know, in the postseason picture. But after three disheartening, discouraging, and uh, awful games against the Cleveland Indians, who swept the Boston Red Sox, uh, we are now here. And uh, it's football season. Hockey season started yesterday. The Bruins get a big 6-3 win. Brad Marchand, I think, assisted on three goals and scored three of his own. So, huge opening night for him. And uh, the Bruins looked good. I know it's a long season, and that's only game one, but kind of some encouraging play from them. And, of course, the Pats last Sunday, we saw Tom Brady come back and uh, once again assert himself as one of the best in the business. Got through for 400 yards, I think, for the eighth time in his career. And, um, you know, I mean, it was against the Cleveland Browns. But the offense looked great. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. But back to the Red Sox. David Ortiz is gone. And, you know, I, I had to take a little break, I think, from uh, doing the show this week till now because I was just sad. And I was a little depressed this week. But uh, I think it'll really sink in next year when we look for the designated hitter and it's not David Ortiz anymore. You know, and maybe it's Edwin Encarnacion. Maybe it's uh, Travis Shaw. Hanley Ramirez, I don't know. I don't know what the Red Sox are going to do. But um, Ortiz is gone. And, you know, a fantastic final season on his part. Did not end the way he wanted it to. Uh, I'm sure none of the players wanted it to end that way. Nobody in the organization. I certainly didn't. But, hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles. And, I mean, when you go out there and you can't pitch, games one and game two with your your best pitchers, Rick Porcello and David Price, go out there and they both get shelled. And uh, it's just kind of unfortunate to see – Rick Borsello had the year that he had, and Mookie Betts, and David Ortiz, and Sandy Leone, and, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr., Xander Bogarts, Petey was crushing the ball late in the year. I mean, all these things culminated, and all these guys had career years, even Hanley Ramirez, and it made me think, oh, I mean, you know, how can they not do something special when they got all these guys playing at the level they're playing at? And uh, it just turns out that, you know, that's not the way it goes, and uh, if you don't pitch, and you don't come to play, you're not aggressive in the playoffs, you, you know, you're not going to win. And the Red Sox struggled in every single aspect of the game. They couldn't hit. They couldn't pitch. They didn't play the best defensively that they could have. I mean, they looked bad. And, you know, I, I got to be there Monday, and it was nice to see Ortiz come out teary-eyed and tip the cap to the Fenway faithful for one final, you know, hoorah. But... Every first pitch they took, all all series, they were watching strikes. Shoop, right down the chute. And I don't know why they were doing that, because then they were getting themselves down in counts. And Terry Francona and the pitching staff of the Cleveland Indians were smart enough 
to realize when you get ahead like that, just throw nothing but junk. Breaking balls, change-ups, breaking balls. And the Red Sox couldn't hit it. They had no idea. And we saw that in game one with the check swing phenomena. And, of course, that's how Pedroia fittingly ended the game, striking out with the check swing. But I just don't understand why the Red Sox weren't more aggressive. And, I mean, it's all water under the bridge now. They're, you know, the Red Sox are long gone, but it just, uh, you know, it makes you scratch your head. So uh, kind of a bittersweet ending to Big Poppy's career. We all know the great things he did here in 2013 with the Grand Slam and 04 and all the seasons in between. Fantastic Red Sox and a fantastic postseason and regular season career. Arguably the best designated hitter to ever do it and I think should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. We'll see. Some people may feel differently because he doesn't play the field, but I don't think that takes away all the things that this guy has done. Not only statistically before the game of baseball, He's been great. Dave Dombrowski, of course, announced that John Farrell will be coming back as the manager. And uh, you may not agree with that. I mean, I, after some long, hard thinking this week, I guess I understand they're bringing him back because you look at this team, he's kept them together. There haven't been any issues in the clubhouse um, or any, any whispers, you know, that players maybe don't like him or like some decisions that the organization has made. Now, with the exception of maybe a good, a good handful of games, where John Farrell made changes that pretty much lost us, you know, the chance to win. I think he did a decent job. And I find that John Farrell does a good job managing this team prior to the game, you know, putting guys in there in the lineup, changing the cards up, decisions like that. But when it comes to in-game decisions, we saw that he struggled. And according to Dave Dombrowski, he said that they don't value that that much. I, I thought you would, but, you know, this team did win the AL East, and I watching the postseason games, I don't think John Farrell made any decisions that really lost them this series or, or you know, was the reason that they got their ass handed to him. And, I mean, you look at, you know, the Andrew Benatendi, they pinch hit for him with Chris Young, and a lot of people made a big deal about that. But if you look at that, Chris Young walked. I believe Benatendi had faced Andrew Miller, who was the key to the series, Andrew Miller, really went up there and shut it down. And uh, kind of funny how former Red Sox manager and the former Red Sox pitcher are kind of the – the thorn in your side and the reason that you can't get over the hump and you can't even grab a win. But with that said, Benintendi, I think, had faced him and struck out on three pitches earlier in the season. I mean, in the series, excuse me. So, you know, it's not a bad move on Farrell's part. And Chris Young got on base anyways. And then, you know, people are going to say, well, later in the game, Benintendi would have had a chance here. But Benintendi, you know, he's not proven. He's not big poppy. It's not like saying taking David Ortiz out of the game and then having him pinch it four and then not being able to bat in the ninth inning. And I think speaking of Ortiz, you know, when he got on base after his final at bat, the walk, he's he's pumping his arms up and down trying to get the fans into it. You know, I think the whole series, not only the fans, but the team just seemed flat. And the majority of the time, no matter the sport, if you go in flat, your team's going to get stepped on. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, while they only lost four to three in the, in the clinching game, Pomeranz threw up. I don't even know what you'd like to call it, a meatball, a beach ball, a bowling ball to Coco Crisp. Then, uh, you know, ding, 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 sevens all across the board on a slot machine, and he took it deep into the monster. And, I mean, Coco Crisp, I'm not sure if he's hit a home run in about 14 years, but, hey, he hit it then. That's another former Red Sox player just helping to hammer the nail into your coffin. And that's the end of the season, and it is what it is. But I think the most disappointing thing, and it, this will be disappointing for me until I see them play next year, is what could have been because you had plenty of talent and you had guys who had great years. We can't expect Rick Porcello to come out and win 22 games again. 
we can't expect Mookie Betts to have an MVP season again, and we can't expect the DH to be whoever it is to have 30-plus home runs and 100-plus RBIs because it's not David Ortiz, and we don't even know who it is. Hanley Ramirez, another guy, 30 and 100. Nobody knows if that's going to happen again. Dustin Pedroia, what if he can't play all season? David Price, maybe he'll bounce back. Maybe he'll be like he was this year. And whether or not he bounces back, if we make the postseason, will he be able to get a guy out? And I think that, too, is another thing that really pissed me off is that you pay for a guy, he's 0-7 in the postseason, and then he comes out and just, I don't know what kind of monkey David Price has on his back in the postseason, but I'm not sure if he'll ever get it off. You know, I'm not saying that they should trade David Price because the guy's one of the best arms in baseball. But I'm not sure. You know, what what do you say to that guy if you get to the postseason again and he's got to go? And the funny thing was, if they were to have won game three, Porcello would have went in game four, and if it would have boiled down to it, I mean, this is all hypothetical and it's all gone now, but Price probably would have went in game five. What would we have said if we got there and then he blew it? You know, what what would people, people have would have wanted his head as if they don't already. But anyways, Sox are gone. I'm sick of talking about it. We talked about it enough. And uh, that's the ball game, you know. Thank you to Big Poppy once again. Oh, also another thing I, I noticed, Dustin Pedroia underwent some, uh, I think it was an arthroscopic knee surgery. Now, if that doesn't tell you something, I mean, I don't know what does because Pedroia looked bad. You know, I, I think that's maybe a reason that he wasn't playing that well is because he was banged up. And maybe some other guys were too, I don't know. But without your leaders going out there and playing well, I think Ortiz only had one hit the whole series. You know, I think our best players in the series were Brock Holt and Andrew Benintendi. Now, you tell me if guys are going to be inspired by the play of Brock Holt or, you know, maybe Benintendi, but I don't know. They just weren't able to put anything together. And it's just disheartening to see this team, you know, have a really great season. You know, the the series where Mookie Betts hit a home run every at-bat, I think for whatever, five out of seven or whatever it, may, whatever it was. I mean, after things like that, they had that comeback against Texas. You had Porcello, didn't lose a game at home until the end of the year when it was a one nothing shutout, you know? You had Big Poppy, uh, even that last game against Toronto, the third to last game, hits the home run that ends up being the game winner. A lot of moments during this year, Pedroia hitting the home run in, uh, against the Angels, and then Bogart's going back-to-back, and they win that. A lot of great moments. Benintendi robbing that home run. It just... Really lets you down. And they should they should feel let down and they should feel embarrassed that they had such a great storyline season for so many guys. And then it ends like this with a bang. Slam the covers shut. It's over. We'll see you next year. And I hope it turns out better. We all know what time it is now. Tom Brady's back. Tom Brady's back, and he came back with a bang. The Pats are 4-1. Brady went over 400 yards against the Browns. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty to see him back. First play on the field, he threw it. Boom, hit it. So 28 for 40, 406 yards, three touchdowns, QBR of 96.3. The guy's the best, man. Makes you scratch your head and wonder uh, who can beat him. And I'll sound like a broken record saying this, but I don't see them having trouble with Cincinnati. And I said that against Buffalo. And I said it about the Browns. I'll say it again. Here's a funny stat for you. Jimmy Garoppolo, in his two games, 496 yards and four touchdowns. Tom Brady in one, as I just told you, 406 and three. 
So there's the difference for you of having arguably the greatest of all time behind center and, uh, you know, a couple of uh, kids who really haven't done it before. But, I mean, looking ahead to Cincinnati, Cincinnati's got a great team uh, when you look at them on paper. But they're always a disappointment. They never really get it done, in my own opinion, and I think other people would agree with me as well. They're 2-3 and three this year. You know, this is a big game for the Bengals. If they want to make the playoffs, they got to come in and they've got to get back to 500. And they've got, to, they've got to make a statement beating the Patriots, and I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Looking back, they haven't beat the Patriots at home since 1972. I believe it's eight straight losses when they come to, to Foxborough. You know, and the last time they came here two years ago, and they lost 43-17. to If you remember, that was the game where the Pats struggled against the Kansas City Chiefs, and people were writing off not only the Patriots, but Tom Brady, and then... Cincinnati comes to town, and we shut everybody up once again and destroy them. And I think that this crowd is going to be something you haven't seen in Foxborough in a long time. You know, New England loves Tom Brady. The man is the king of the north, you know, to, to make a Game of Thrones reference. But it's true. And him coming back and these fans going to Foxborough now, you know, there's going to be more 12 jerseys in, in Gillette Stadium than you've probably seen in a long time. And they're going to be there. They're going to be loud. They're going to be screaming. And we don't always hear, you know, Gillette Stadium is a nice place to play and it's loud and fans are always cheering. But when you're up 42 to nothing or, you know, you're blowing a team out, which the Pats do pretty often, that place isn't always rocking. But I think every single time Brady touches the field, you're going to hear just a raucous, crazy, uh, you know, crowd that's just amped up and glad to have their guy back. Another stat I found funny, Tom Brady has those numbers that are close to Garoppolo's and uh, he came out after the field goal drive at the beginning of the fourth, and he didn't play the rest of the game. They had Garoppolo just hand it off. So that's another thing. Uh, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. The guy comes back, doesn't even play the full game, and just puts up uh, these crazy numbers. Now, that's another thing, Brady, having all these weapons. And I think what I really raised my eyebrows at was Rob Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett, and they had that E60, the brothers Bennett, come out, and Bennett just – bashing the Chicago Bears and, uh, you know, talking about he hates Jason Witten and all these things. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, I don't think the Patriots care about that. And if there was anything said to him, Bill probably pulled him aside and said, hey, Marty, you know, you're not going to pull that with us. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. You, you know, and I think that was done before the season anyways. I don't think he's just going out there now and saying, hey, let's make an E60 so I can bash Jay Cutler. I found that part pretty funny, too. They say, He says something along the lines of, uh, this is the face of the, of the leader of a team. And it shows Jay Cutler, and he just looks like he crawled out of a hole. Uh, probably had just huffed down a couple of Newports on the sideline, Jay Cutler. But anyways, Marty scored three touchdowns. So Tom Brady had three touchdowns, and they all went to Martellus Bennett. One of them deep down the sidelines made a diving uh, score for the pylon. You know, he, he looked good. And Gronk went over 100 yards, and that was encouraging to see that his hamstring must be fine or better, at least, for him to be able to produce like that. And I'm glad to see it. Now, a question mark I have is about Julian Edelman. And maybe this is because I have him on my fantasy team. But he's not putting up that many yards. He's not scored yet this season. So I'm wondering if his foot is still an issue. He was New England's most targeted receiver on Sunday. But he still was not their leading receiver and still hasn't gotten the end zone. And I think that'll change if he is okay. Because, you know, Brady's back. He's going to utilize all his weapons, and that's another thing that we saw. Brady going to Hogan, Brady using Malcolm Mitchell, using Bennett. Tom Brady knows his arsenal. 
and he knows that he's got guys around him that are going to help him win, and he gets them the ball, and he is able to understand the skills they have and bring the best out of them, and that's what he does. And, I mean, even in his first game back from a four-game suspension, hasn't even played a regular season game with these guys, and he's already hitting Chris Hogan deep twice, throwing three touchdowns to Martellus Bennett and still keeping guys like Gronk and so on and so forth in the game involved in the game plan. I mean, I think that's a testament to New England's coaching too, being able to see what the guys can do and create a game plan that utilizes their skill set. But it also shows you that Tom Brady is just the best at what he does. Because Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett were both there when these guys were there, the new guys, Hogan and Bennett. And while they looked good, they didn't have games like they did against Cleveland here. And it's the Cleveland Browns. They're 0-5. So I do need to see the Cincinnati victory. And I hope that it's a blowout because, I mean, that's just what I think it will be. At least, maybe, if not a blowout, at least they'll beat them handily. I mean, they beat the Browns by 20. It could have been more than 33 points if you, in the grand scheme of things. But you got to be happy with that. Brady came back. He fit right back in the puzzle and took back control of the team and looked phenomenal. You know, the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm not sure there's too much you have to worry about. They've got the two running backs, Hill and Bernard, and uh, A.J. Green over the top. But the Pats secondaries looked good. Terrell Pryor was the Cleveland Browns utility guy and had been on the rise for them as a wide receiver, but he was shut down last week. I think the Pats should be all right defensively. I guess Jamie Collins is banged up now. He was on the injury report. So, you know, Hightower's out. You have Collins playing his head off. And then... Now the high tower comes back last week, had that beautiful, uh, ran right through the line and uh, crushed, I, I, I think it was uh, Cody Kessler. <laughs> that was the, the ball that went back for the safety. I mean, if, if, I, if Dante Hightower was running at me full speed and came through the line like a nosebleed, I don't know what I would do. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Cody Kessler dropped one in his pants right there. But anyways, what I'm getting at is it's becoming like a give or take with these guys. Like, high tower's out, you got Collins, Collins. And Hightower comes back, and then Collins all of a sudden, I don't know what's up with him. I don't know if he's going to be playing this week. Definitely a huge asset to the defense, and it would hurt not to have him out there on Sunday. But I think that the Patriots have enough pieces in place that they're going to be okay, even if Collins, for some reason, can't play in this game. I don't think they should take Cincinnati lightly. And, I mean, of course, this is a team that is, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, every year they're supposed to be a contender, and they never really are. And the Patriots always kind of beat them anyways, you know, no matter the hype around them. For Cincinnati, I feel like this is the time that they really need a win, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to get it because they're coming to New England at the worst time. Tom Brady's first game back home, his second game back. New England's offense looked great last week. The defense, too. Everything's culminating for New England in, the, in, the, in a good fashion, and I don't think Cincinnati's going to really have a chance. But I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I did that with Buffalo and Buffalo really, you know, shut me up. We'll keep our fingers crossed that the Pats will keep it up and play like they're playing. And I think they will. I think another thing that, uh, you know, Martellus Bennett, we were talking about before, I mean, the guy's leading the team in receiving. He's got t- 21 receptions, 314 receiving yards, and four scores. So you got to be happy with this guy's production at this point. And I think, especially if Gronk wasn't 100% last week, he looked good, especially on that play where he caught it on the sideline and ran over. I don't know, maybe eight of the 11 defenders for Cleveland and just came up a yard short of the end zone. But Martellus Bennett and Gronk, if Gronk is able to get in the end zone and they can start getting that double threat really 
I mean, it kind of dominated the Cleveland game, but if they can use that moving forward every game, you know, we saw it in the past with Hernandez and Gronk, and there was nothing like that. And Martellus Bennett isn't exactly the player that Aaron Hernandez was. Not that he's – I mean, Martellus Bennett is a great player, but Aaron, Aaron Hernandez had a, a different skill set than Martellus Bennett. They put this guy at running back and hand the ball to him and have him run. Hernandez, I'm, I'm talking about. So we saw how it worked out for the Pats that time. They went to the Super Bowl. And they lost, but Gronk was hurt. And I think Bill Belichick and, and, and the organization brought Bennett in thinking about that 2011 team. That offense was second to none with, the, with that double tight and that two-headed monster and threat that, you know, you had a tight end. So I think that that's what they're re- trying to recreate here. And I think this week will be a good example of, uh, you know, how, how maybe that's not what they're going for. Maybe they have these two guys, but they're still not going to stray away from their other weapons because they have Julian Edelman. They have Danny Amendola, Malcolm Mitchell, and Chris Hogan. And all those guys are viable options for Tom Brady. So I think the Pats really have an offense like they haven't had in a while, weapons-wise. Tom Brady hasn't had these many guys that he can look to, you know, all on one team, all healthy at the same time. And, I mean, you know, looking back to the year when they had Kembrell Tompkins was our number one receiver. You know, so look at years like that and then look at this team. They've really built something special, I think, in the in the weapons that they have. And Tom Brady and the offensive line has looked good all season. I think that this week we'll really see how that offense spells out against Cincinnati. You know, a team that, you know, you can call a contender. But definitely a better team than the Cleveland Browns for Tom Brady to go up against. And we'll see. Maybe they'll use that tight end more. Maybe they'll kind of use Gronk and Bennett to screen defenses. And I think, I mean, you can't double-team both of them. So, you know, I think at all times they're going to have one of those guys open. But they also split out Gronk. They split out Bennett. They do a lot of different things. So Martellus Bennett's play has really just opened up ample opportunity for the Patriots to improve their offense and to really expand on what they're doing. And and Martellus Bennett's play is going to help Gronkowski and all the other guys, and Tom Brady. And I think it's going to help them be one of the best offenses in the league. And to this point, they, you know, 114 points on the year. But Brady's back, and I think they're going to start really running up numbers. I really do. And Atlanta's on top of the league right now. And Atlanta, I'm not buying into them. You know, San Diego is is second. San Diego has lost four games while they've led late, you know. So, I mean, that's not the only thing, points, that you score. And I think that's what I'm getting at. The Pats could have won last week probably by 40. They only won by 20. But, and, you know, when you, when you look back at it, who cares? Because they won, and they won handily, and they controlled that game at all times. And I think that's what they'll do against Cincinnati this week. The Red Rocket, uh, Andy Dalton, I'm not afraid of him at all. Not a big Andy Dalton fan, if you couldn't tell. I think that the Pats have their way with Cincinnati. Tom Brady's homecoming is a celebration, and we're 5-1 and one going to Pittsburgh. Thank you guys for listening and sharing the disappointment in the Red Sox with me. As we said, they're gone. We'll see uh, Toronto and Cleveland and Chicago and the Dodgers. And then, of course, the winners of those will go to the World Series. I guess I'm pulling for the Cubs. You got it, right? I mean, we broke our curse. They, they've waited long enough. Poor Steve Bartman. Let the guy off the hook. You know? And I think if they win, they should honor Steve Bartman or something. Maybe, like, have a, him throw out a ceremonial first pitch. 
It's just an idea. Plus, Steve Barton. Anyways, Pats play Sunday at 1 o'clock against Cincinnati. Looking to go 5-1. and one. Tom Brady's return home. That's all I got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys have a good weekend. Don't do anything that I wouldn't do. I'll leave that open to interpretation. I'm Tom Soares. You listen to The Dynamite.